Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Somebody, uh, are there defensive weapons or offensive weapons? They'll usually say, well, yeah, it's all the same. Well, maybe not. You're going to find out this morning that there are different kinds of weapons that God has given you, some to defend yourself, and one in particular that is an offensive weapon. And when you wield that weapon, things happen. The problem with many of you is you're not going to warfare. Your enemy, the devil, comes and tries to coax you into warfare, threatening you, and you just kind of sit there and take it. You don't have to take it. Amen? When you do battle with him, if you know who you are in Christ, if you know what he did on the cross, if you know about the power of his blood, nothing can defeat you. No weapon that is formed against you shall stand. Amen? You need to go to warfare. When you sense that the enemy is coming against you to destroy your family, take him to task. The only weapon he has is lying to you. Everybody say lying. Chapter 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. You got the right scripture up there, John? You're getting it. 2 Corinthians. There we go. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I want you to remember there's two basic worlds that you and I are dealing with. We're dealing with the world of the flesh, which we are mostly familiar with. What you fail to remember is there's also a world of the spirit. It's a, an unseen world, at least from our physical perspective. But it's there nonetheless. It's like when uh, the wind blows, you can't see it, but you can feel it brushing against your skin, blowing your hair. There's evidence that it's there, but not a whole lot of physical evidence. And if it blows real hard like it did last week, then we get some physical evidence because it blows dirt and everything uh, around, fills up your house with dirt. Weapons, what are they? Why do we need them? Why did God, did God give us enough? How many of you know that there are angels too? You don't pray to angels, but you can sure ask God to send you some angels. And I believe there are guardian angels. I believe that there are angels that have been assigned just to you to guard you and protect you and your family. And maybe more than one, maybe more than ten, I don't know. But I, I believe in that. I believe God has a purpose for those angels. They don't just sit around in heaven on a cloud playing a, a, a lyre. Uh, they, they love you. They take care of you. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 
uh, carnal is where we get the Spanish word carne, which means what there, uh, Sal? Carne, what does it mean? In Espanol, carne, what does it mean? Carnal means what in Espanol? It means in English. It's meat, right? Yeah, carne meat. Maybe I wouldn't hear him just right. Thank you. <laughs> hey, by the way, pray for me. I may get a hearing aid while we're over in Lubbock. Yay, all right. All right, I know that's going to make you happy. Um, they, they are carnal. Uh, they're not carnal, but mighty, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, I've had a, a ministry in deliverance for over 40 years. One of the early things I learned is that some people who are dealing with demonic possession, and I'm not talking about oppression, demons can oppress you by uh, getting out here beside your ear and lying to you and scaring you, but when you've been possessed, that means you've opened a door somehow. You might have got drunk, you might have taken a, uh, a drug overdose, and you open a door, a spiritual door, and a demon can step in. I don't believe they do it on the first time. It may take several times, but they get in there. And sometimes you have one, and sometimes you can have many. Like uh, Jesus asked the name of a demonized man. He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. But always remember this. Inside that pack of demons, there's always one that is the stronghold. He's the leader of the pack. Satan has set up a army with his demons, much like our armies. There are generals and captains and, and uh, privates and whatever, but the stronghold, that demon is, is the head. And you can command the person you're ministering to reveal that stronghold to me, and they have to. You plead the blood of Jesus. When that name comes forth, it could be anything. It could be pornography. It could be uh, drugs. Whatever it is, you quickly take authority over that spirit and cast it out. Then the other ones will come out uh, more uh, easily. So remember that. I don't. I don't pray a deliverance ministry on any of you. You. Uh, you have no idea what you're getting into. You know when it first came into the charismatic movement, everybody was casting out demons. You didn't dare go to church and cough because somebody kind of tried to come over and cast a coughing demon out of you. It got way out of hand. But there are demonic spirits. They do try, try to take possession of us. Why? Because when they rebelled with Satan, one-third of all the angels in heaven were cast out with him. One of the things they lost was whatever kind of body they had. And now they are strictly spirit, and they've been cast out into the atmosphere around this planet. Now, it, it's pretty frustrating, I'm sure, to live in a physical realm and you can't, you can't manifest yourself because you don't have a body. That's why they want to get in your body. Amen? And by the way, you can cast spirits out of yourself. And uh, here's how you tell the difference. If you've got something going on and you are not in control of it at all, more than likely it's a demon spirit. You can plead the blood and say, Lord... Jesus, I plead your blood over me, my family, and Father, I come against that spirit that's trying to attack me in Jesus' mighty name. Spirit, I command you to get out of me now and don't ever return. 
But listen to me, warfare, as long as you're on this earth, is continual. The Bible says one can leave, he may come back later with seven more worse than he is. Amen? So you've got to be vigilant. You've got to be on guard. You've got to know all the time what's happening. But God has given you the weapons that you need in order to fight against your enemy. Not only fight against him, but succeed and win over him. Look at your neighbor and say, we win. We've read the end of the book and we win. Amen. Don't you hate that when a new book comes out and, and uh, you, you, you go over and you say, hey, you hear about that new book that came out? I just bought it. And, and your friend says, yeah, and, and Fred gets killed in the last chapter. Well, thanks for telling me. <laughs> Ruined the whole book, right? But we read the end of our book, and we win. Amen? The weapons of our warfare, verse 4, are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, I want you to look at verse 5 very carefully. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of, of Christ. Now listen, casting down imaginations. What does that mean? The devil will put an, an imagination. Imagination is, is something that you dream or see in your mind, but it's not real. Uh, for example, the doctor comes in and says, well, uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you got cancer and you're probably going to die in two months. I don't receive that in Jesus' name. When I went to Lubbock last week, I was told by a cardiologist here that I was going to have to have a heart valve replacement. I got over there and saw my cardiologist over there. He pulled out the records and, and he looked at it and said, no, you don't really need a valve replacement. Uh, maybe something else going on, and there he is. But it's not as serious as a valve replacement, amen? But see, what you don't know is, when we got that report here, and I, and I give the credit to this to my wife, uh, she went back in the back and got some of those communion cups that we used with the wafer inside, brought them home. The night before we left for Lubbock, uh, the first time, uh, we prayed. We were in bed and we prayed, and we took authority over uh, this thing about the valve replacement. We cast that out, and then we had communion together, she and I, and we thanked the Lord. The Lord said, when you take this meal, remember me, and you also remember what he did on, your, on the cross for you. When he died for you, everything was included, not just your salvation. Your healing is in the atonement. The atonement is what he, the price that he paid. Your healing is the, uh, in the atonement. And if you can believe and not get too uh, messy about it, the, the healing of your marriage is in the atonement. And I see married couples all the time giving up way too easy. You got to fight for your marriage sometimes. You know, when you're courting one another, you're on your best behavior. Here, sit next to me. You're in the, remember the pickup truck, guys? Here, honey, slide over. They didn't have those center consoles. We didn't, we didn't want those. Honey, slide over here by me. Remember that, ladies? And your husband was so sweet. 
and he was romantic. What happened to him? He swears he's going to take care of you all your life. And a couple of months goes by. What are you doing over here? Get over by the door. The truck may catch on fire and you might need to get out quick. Right? If you want to save your marriage, you can. But the first thing you've got to do is drop your pride. One of the hardest lessons I learned from God was he didn't give a flip about my pride. God doesn't care about your pride. This is not about pride. It's about relationships. It's about a marriage where you stood before a minister and you looked at your wife or your husband right in their eyes and you made a vow. You said to her, men, I will love you, honor, and keep you so long as we both shall live. Remember that? You didn't, do, you didn't say that to the minister. You said that to God. My wife and I are going to be married June the 6th, I mean the 12th, 50 years. I'm going to keep her, I guess. There's nobody better than her. Your wife is a gift. She's a gift. Yeah, but she whines and she's emotional. She's supposed to be emotional. Both of you are different. Men are supposed to be uh, more black and white, more uh, take care of stuff. Uh, women are supposed to be emotional so they can take care of you. <laughs> that takes a lot of emotion. And taking care of your kids. When one of your kids cuts their finger outside and they run screaming into the house, they don't go to you guys. Who they go to? I want my <laughs> mommy. Right? That's how special they are. I mean, I got news for you, man. When you come home from a hard day, your boss has really cut your throat and you think you're about to lose your job and you come into the house crying, <laughs> I want my <laughs> mommy wife. It's true. I don't know how many times that my wife was there for me just at the time when I needed her. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When you have something going on in your life and it is directly against what the Word says, which one are you going to believe? The Word is true. It never fails. What's happening to you could be an out-and-out -out lie from your enemy. It's a war and you're in it. And the price is your life and your salvation. The lives of your kids, your wife, your husband. It's all right there. Now I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, if you would. And we're going to start with verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Excuse me a moment. Oh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, 
be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might or your might. Look at me. You don't have any might. If the devil had not been defeated by God himself, he could eat your lunch in five seconds. You don't have any might. But because of his rebellion and his hatred towards his God, God took away his power. He took away his might. You have the might. Why? Because when you went to that cushion over there or wherever it was and you got on your knees and you asked God to save you, he came into your body and he, the Holy Spirit, he, God, possessed you. Not a demon, God himself came and possessed you. And if you're saved right now, God is in your body right now. He lives inside of you. His spirit and your spirit have joined together just like this. Now who, now who do you think has the might? You think some measly demon has any might over you or power over you? Only if you believe their lies. That's all they can do is lie to you. Don't, don't receive it. It's a war. Come on. It's a war. In World War II, the Germans kept telling Britain, we're, we're coming to get you. And they finally got the northern island, island right above uh, the island of, of Britain. Uh, they, they captured that, and they were on the way to the mainland. And they, the uh, Americans came in, and uh, Russians came in, and started uh, winning the war. Uh, Russia took, uh, went into Germany, so did America. And all of that turned around. Just because somebody tells you they're going to whip you doesn't mean they can. Because that guy that's protecting you is far more powerful than your enemy and all of those 10,000 recruits that he has. And you know what Jesus said? Listen, he looked right at you without even being embarrassed. He said, the things I have done, you shall do. And he said... You'll do greater things than these because I go to the Father. He was humble enough to share his power with you to the point he declared you could do mightier things than he did. I don't know how many testimonies I've heard. Uh, I heard of one where a mechanic was in his shop under the car. It was on a jack and he didn't have it blocked up and he knew better. Car slid off the jack and the frame landed on him. And one of the other mechanics by himself, what do you do? I got to get him out from under there, but the car's on him. What do I do? That mechanic lifted that car off of him by himself. It was a, it was a miracle. The guy started breathing and he reached down and started pulling himself and he got out from under the frame. And when he got out from under the car, the guy dropped it on the concrete. You see, there's miracles. There's plenty of miracles available if you call on God to give you one. I don't know how many miracles my wife and I have gone through. We were going down the freeway in North Dakota one time, and uh, this trucker passed me, and he's honk, honk, and he was going like this, and I, I went like that, because you, know, you always play that game with the truckers, honk your horn. He was going, no, 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 and I heard a noise, and I looked over to the right, and one of my rear uh, dual tires passed me on the freeway. I kid you not. It had come off 
All the lug bolts were sheared and that tire came off. The inside duel stayed on there, thank God. And it just passed me on the freeway. So I slowed down and got off on the on the on the right side there and, and I, I drove till I pull up where the tire fell over. I said, Liz, I'll be back in a minute. And I got out of the motorhome and I walked across the freeway to the other side and stuck my thumb out. First car came by, stopped. I told him what had happened. He said, ah, no problem. That little town you just went through, I know I, the guy there that owns the big wrecking yards, a friend of mine, he's got a big old giant wrecking truck. Let's go. So he took me in there. The guy said, yeah. So we got in his truck and went back out there. And this all took less than 30, 40 minutes. In less than an hour, we were back at his shop, and uh, he left it on the wrecker, pulled it up in the air, and he said, well, all your lug bolts are gone. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> I got some that'll fit this truck, this, this motorhome. And he went out there and hammered them in and put the tires back on, and away we went. We could have died. My son was five months old. That's him up there somewhere. He was five months old in the back of that motorhome. We had one of those supernatural motorhomes. We were given it. It was given to us by a guy that had had it a long time. Somebody had it before him. And it, when we got it, it had 300,000 miles on it. One, uh, one other missionary had it before I did, and he drove it clear to Central America and back. We drove it all over Canada and, and all over the United States. And it was one of those fun ones, you know, you drive it a while, fix it a while. Drive it a while, fix it a while. And this guy in the meeting said, how many miles a gallon you get on that? And I said, oh, about six. Huh. Well, your problem, you don't have any faith. I got a motorhome, I get eight miles a gallon on it. Ha! And I, I didn't say anything, but I thought, give you eight miles upside your head. But I didn't. There's always somebody who wants to try to mess with your miracle. Amen? Okay. Put on the whole, or verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I guess you could call armor a type of weapon, but it's a defensive weapon primarily. Armor, think of that. The, the Knights of the Round Table, they had the iron helmet and the iron breastplate. And all. Let's look at this, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, who's he talking about there? He's talking about these demon spirits that I told, told you about. Excuse me. He says in verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Not half of it. Not one piece of it. He says, take all of it that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. When you've done everything you know to do, you've pled the blood of Jesus over your circumstances, you've asked God to intervene, you've rebuked the devil, you've done everything you know to stand, what are you supposed to do? Stand! I've done it all, I'm going to keep standing, devil, 
And if you come near me again, I'm going to put another blood of Jesus on you. And you're not going to like that. It hurts when you hear that. It makes you want to run for your life. I'm telling you the truth. They can't stand to hear anything about the blood. It's a spiritual thing that happens to them that drives them insane. And when you plead the blood of Jesus, you try it next time you feel like you're depressed or uh, you're being attacked by the enemy. You try it and see. You'll feel that relief come back on you as your adversary, the devil, runs from you. He's terrified of you. He's only terrified of you if he realizes that you know who you are in Jesus, that you know how to use the weapons and the, and the armor that God has given you. Now, these are defensive things, I'll grant you, but you, you just keep watching. Stand, verse 14, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now listen, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. There are more places than this that talk about the women, women the weapons of your adversary being sharp, uh, Arrows or darts. Look at that again. The shield of faith so that you may be able to, in verse uh, 16, that you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. They're darts because when he lies to you, it hurts. You know, you hear this voice one day, men. The voice says, your wife's had an affair. And the reason she did is because she hates you. you. You don't satisfy her. She don't like you. That would hurt. Your wife's a gift. One of the hardest things that a man or a woman in a marriage relationship would ever have to do would be to forgive their mate for infidelity. The best thing you can do is not ever do it. Say, yeah, well, we've got problems in our marriage. Well, then get some counseling. Oh, I don't know if I want counseling. That guy might tell me something that, that I don't want to hear. That's exactly why a lot of you don't, you don't go to counseling. You've got to want to change before you can change. Let me tell you this. Every time you allow the Lord to change you, to grow you up a little further, to mature you in His Word, every time you do one of those things, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. One day, one great day, the Lord Himself will come to you and say, you know, I'll always be here to help you with your weaknesses, but you've made so much progress that today I'm giving you a ministry. Now I'll tell you how important that is. The day comes, and I told my wife this the other day, there's only one thing I want to hear from God. I want Him to look at me when I get there and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
Y'all look at me. I've made mistakes. I've never cheated on my wife, but I've made mistakes. I've done stupid things. I've, I've rebelled against God. I've rejected God at times. Shook my fist at God. Blamed Him for things until the day He came and said, John, there's no fault in God, so you can stop doing that. Really? It's, it's never your fault? That's right, He said. It's never my fault. Well, then whose fault is it? How come we always blame God before we even blame the devil? Or for that matter, we blame God before we even blame ourselves. Well, you did it to yourself, duh. Well, I know I'm stupid sometimes, but I thought God was supposed to protect me when I'm like that. Sometimes you can get yourself in these situations. And God will save you. Let me give, if, I, if you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to this. Always be sure you are filled with humility. Whether you're dealing with your marriage, one of your kids, your boss, humility. Let's, let's talk about your boss a minute. If you're, listen, Scott will tell you this. If your boss knows that you're doing everything you can to make him a success, he'll have a job the rest of your life. Is that not true, Scott? If he knows that you're loyal to him, you would never turn your back on him or stab him in the back. You'll get more raises than the other guy, right? right? You'll be advanced more in the company than the other ones. And it starts with humility. Humility is sadly disappearing today. We've got uh, people rising up that are filled with their self. Pride goeth before the fall. Who gets all the glory? He does. How much do you get? None. It's like that girl in Mexico. I laid hands on her and she fell on the floor, concrete floor. She was 14 years old, pregnant out to here, and she she was slaying the spirit. First time that ever happened. I didn't care about her. But I did care about everybody seeing me lay my hand on her so she could be slaying the spirit. And God was he set me up. First thing I did is I, I turned away from her and turned this way and I walked over that like this and I said, now who can I slay in the spirit? And you know what God said to me? He stopped me. He said, John. Yes. Who did that? Well, you did, but I was there. <laughs> yeah, I was there. Let me tell you something. You can be there all you want, but if God's not there as the power source of everything that you do that's miraculous, you won't be doing any miracles. Aren't we blessed? I don't know. I've, I've learned about Buddha and all these other Hindus and all these other faiths and religions. And you know, we have the only true religion. It's the religion where our God died for us. He shared all of His power with us. He gave us gifts. And then He came and said, not only that, I'm going to bring you to myself and you are going to live with me for eternity. 
And not only that, listen to this. I'm going to save you and your house. But you don't think God has a heart? You've been praying for, how many of you got family members that aren't saved yet? Well, don't give up. I had sister, brother, and two parents. We never went to church ever. My parents got saved. My mother got saved on her, the day she died. My father got saved two weeks before he died. My brother and sister, I'm now their pastor. And by the way, I need you to pray for my brother. Uh, the other day he had trouble knowing who his wife was for all the morning, from about 8 in the morning till noon. Didn't really know who she was. So he, he's 82 or 3 years old. And, you know, that's what, that's what he's going through. It's, that's kind of what happens. But you know what? He does know the Lord. If I called him right now, there wouldn't be any, uh, if I said, well, do you love the Lord? He wouldn't say, well, who's that? He knows. He knows. It was my honor to be able to be their pastor. Because I know that we'll be together. That means a lot, doesn't it? You know, this life of 70, 80 years seems okay, but it's not anything like eternity. How long is eternity? It's forever. How long is forever? It's eternal. <laughs> if you don't think there's an eternity, you'll find out. Now, Let's look at verse 17 and we'll go somewhere else. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Touch your Bible. Touch it. That's the only offensive weapon that God's given you. And you know how you wield it with your mouth. When you need to talk to the devil, use your mouth. It doesn't matter if there's anybody around. Satan, get out of my house. In Jesus' name, I plead the blood against you. You have to go, and he will. And you know what you'll feel instantly? You'll start feeling that peace that you lost somewhere starting to flood back into your body. The joy that you lost will come back. And the forgiveness that you needed to give somebody, your wife, your husband, a friend, whoever you've hurt or harmed, That'll be there too. The ability to forgive. Jesus said, if you don't forgive those who have hurt you, I won't forgive you. How in the world can you do that? If it wasn't possible, he wouldn't demand it of you. You know who unforgiveness hurts? It hurts you. I've forgiven people, and you know what they say to me, some of them? I didn't even know you were mad at me. My unforgiveness wasn't hurting them. They didn't care. Right? And unforgiveness is an ugly thing. The best thing you can do is, is get rid of it. You've got to do it by faith. And you've got to have humility to be able to do it or you won't be able to do it. The Word of God is your offensive weapon. You remember when Jesus was baptized in the river the first thing he did, he was taken 
out into the wilderness. Who took him out there? Who? Oh, God took him out there. Most people said the devil. No, 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 no. God took him out in the wilderness. He takes you out into the wilderness to train you and teach you. Every time, every single time that the enemy attacked Jesus in the wilderness, he attacked back with the Word. Yeah, Satan, but the Word says. And the Word trumps whatever you just said, so forget it. Amen? He was out there a long time and he fasted. He didn't have water or food. I don't know how he lived through it. He's supernatural. Yeah, it's a war. Now, one other scripture, and uh, let's look at uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 35. And then I'll let you go. Romans at, uh, chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? You know what happens to you sometimes? When one of these things he just listed happens to you, you feel separated from your God, don't you? Where are, where are you, God, when I needed you? Well, I got news for you. He was as close to you as your own breath. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? As it is written, verse 36, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No. He says no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, how can you be more than a conqueror? I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. It hurts the devil when you're being more than a conqueror. The devil doesn't like it. More than a conqueror. Satan, when you listen to me speak to you the words of this Bible, you will obey and you will leave. Simple as that. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now here's something that's going to blow your mind. When you've done something and you actually you did it, the devil didn't do it to you. You made a conscious decision to cheat on your mate or to steal something or to curse somebody or to not forgive somebody. You did it yourself. Are you looking at look at me? Even when you do that, if you can get humble long enough and admit what you did, quit blaming it on me or other people or God. And you say, Lord, i got to take all the blame. It's my fault. Please forgive me. What does he do? He forgives you instantly. 
Do you know why? Every one of you in here are either his son or his daughter. He has adopted you. Now, I've never had the, the grace to adopt anybody, but I've been told by people that have that they love their adopted children just as much as they love their natural children. I, I promise you, God will never leave you and forsake you. I don't care what you've done. One of the hardest things that ladies go through is, is abortion. Listen to me. I don't know anybody that has had one. If you have, listen to me. He forgives you. He forgives you. Look at your neighbor and say, He forgives you. It's that simple. Now, listen to me. You need to forgive yourself. Because if you don't, you're going to open a door for, your, for the devil to step in and do you great harm. No, devil, I'm not listening to that. I confess my sin to God and he forgave me. So, I plead the blood of Jesus against you. You've got to go. Go! And he will. Now, where can you find a God like that? You mean the one that hung on the cross? That they beat half to death? You know, I had Carol, she ordered me the, the movie, The Passion of the Christ. Liz and I started watching it a couple of nights ago. I'm going to watch that about once a month until God says otherwise. Yes, they took liberty in it. But that's called dramatics. And, and, you know, it's not that far off from what actually happened to him. When they beat him. And I often wondered, how'd they get that crown of thorns to stay on? They put a crown of thorns on his head and took a, a stick and laid it on top of the crown and another stick and started hammering on that until the thorns penetra penetrated his scalp. They beat him with a scourge, a stick with pieces of uh, cowhide leather coming out of it. And at the end of each leather thong, there was a piece of bone, a sharp rock, some kind of metal. And they, when they threw it on him, the, the, the best example was what the soldier did as a joke. He went over to the head soldier who was sitting at a table and he slammed that scourge down on the table and when he jerked it back, it pulled big pieces of wood out of that table. That's exactly what they did when they beat him on his back. Pieces of his flesh, muscle tissue, jerked out of his back. That was your beating. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin. So that you and I so that you and I could have life. On the cross, he was thirsty. And they brought him something to drink, vinegar. When you're dying of thirst, is that the last, isn't that the you want a big old glass of cold vinegar, don't you?
how can we say thanks? As he was on the cross, he died. He gave up the ghost. He, he went. They didn't kill him. He gave his life. The other, there was a thief on either side. They were still alive. A storm was rolling in. It was lightning, thunder. It was God and he was angry. One of the soldiers got a big hammer, gave one to two or three soldiers, said, break their legs. They came over and hit them with sledgehammers, broke their knees so they couldn't stand up anymore and they choked to death. They asphyxiated because they would slump down from weakness and then they couldn't get a breath and they push up, get a quick breath and down they go. When their legs were broken, they couldn't do that anymore. When they got to Jesus, one of the soldiers looked over and said, he's already dead. So the head guy throws him a spear and says, make sure. And he thrusts a spear up into the side of Jesus. Pulls it out. When he does that, blood and water starts spewing out of his body. In the movie, the, the, the lowest soldier who stuck him is, is standing there watching him and blood, blood and water from the body of Jesus starts spraying all over his face. And he falls there on his knees. I'd like to think he gave his life to, to Jesus. You have weapons. Use them. Stop being such an easy mark. I want a church here that is undefeatable. We cannot be defeated. Wouldn't you like to have a church that has a reputation that somebody in town has cancer, they know they can go to New Song and they can get a healing? How do we know that? Because the last 90 people that came through that door got healed. Oh, you'll get a reputation. There's churches like that around the country. Why do you think they went to Catherine Kuhlman's meetings? There was a Baptist pastor in uh, the Baptist pastor of the Second Baptist Church of Dallas. And he knew that a lot of his parishioners were going to Catherine Kuhlman's meetings, and he was tired of it. He was going to prove them wrong. So he got him a notepad, and he went down, and he got there early so he could get right up to the front. He was in the third row from the stage. And he heard a noise, he looked up, and there was a woman, a large woman. And she was all excited to be there. And this guy was sitting in the, in the fourth seat. There were two people on the outside and an empty seat. No, he was in the third seat. And the fourth seat was empty. And she just, she didn't wait. She just started making her way across and stumbling over them and stepped on his toes and, and, and sat down beside him. And he was, he found himself getting furious. Who's this woman thinks she is? Well, Catherine comes out and she's having a healing time. And the word of knowledge begins to move. And she, she points down there in that area. And the Lord, she said, the Lord tells me, there's a woman down there. You've been having a horrible struggle with your, with your uh, weight, your, your diet. And, and God says, just come up here. He's going to heal you. And she started bouncing up and down in her chair. And she got up and 
and again stepped on him, stepped on the other two people. She didn't go to the stage. She stopped right at the end of the chairs and started bouncing up and down. I kid you not. He went back to his church the next Sunday and he said, I have to make a confession. We're becoming a charismatic church and if you can't handle that, you need to go. He saw it with his own eyes and he couldn't deny it. Let's pray. By the way, that man's name was Howard Knatzer, pastor of the Second Baptist Church in Dallas, the second largest Baptist church in the United States. Howard Knatzer. Father, we need you so desperately. I believe we're living in the last days. I see the signs everywhere. And I'm concerned for my church. I'm the pastor. I'm concerned that some of them are hurting and they are being attacked by their enemy. And some of them are so weak. I'm not, they're not sure they can make it. And I'm, I'm worried. Lord, I want them to stand up and, and use the weapons of warfare that you've given them. And I'm asking you, my precious Lord, to save every one of us, to give us power. Because in these last days, there's a lot of people are going to need to be saved. They're going to need to know the Lord before you come in the clouds. Help us, Lord, to do our part right here in little old Carlsbad, New Mexico. There's a whole bunch of people here don't know you, especially after the oil guys moved in. You know what they say about oil guys. A lot of them are pretty rough, and they are, and they need Jesus. Lord, I pray for every one of them that you'll save every one of them. As we go to our homes today, I ask for your safety and your love, your rest. Be with Liz and I and John as we go to Lubbock. I'm asking for a good report tomorrow. Lord, we thank you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you are dismissed. May God richly bless you with the weapons of his warfare. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.